This is This is Collected Thoughts with Keyshawn Harper. It's the climax of a long and cold winter, and as the sun begins to lie down for its nightly rest, you and your family are awake because you are hungry, and the fridge is bare. You are fighting to keep your eyes open because you're exhausted from a long hunt. A hunt that seemed to be going well where you tracked down an elk for hours, but it only slipped away from your grasp at the last moment. And now you're only left with two choices. You can try to brave the elements once more to find your family some food. Or, you could drive to the grocery store. How often have you just sat back and thought about and really appreciated the luxury of grocery stores? Every food, every flavor, every ingredient, all kind of gathered into one nice, convenient place. Sometimes when I'm walking around, I kind of think about how often I take this place for granted. Before, back in the old days, you would have to go out and like wrestle a bear or something if you wanted to get food. But nowadays, you can just hop into a car or if you're lucky enough, walk down the street and boom, you can go to the nearest Kroger or insert local grocery store name here. I don't know. But sometimes I just can't help but to think that if this is such a wonderful place and the comfort and the ease of grocery shopping is unprecedented, why am I so pissed off here? The irritation I'm talking about sprang upon me as I made my way down the crowded cereal aisle. Carts were everywhere and the worker was placing products on the shelves. In the midst of it all, a woman was walking so slow in front of me. And because the aisle was so full with the boxes the guy was putting up, I couldn't go around her. Now, I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have anywhere to be. It was some random Saturday during quarantine, but... But yet, I was still so frustrated with this woman who was just shopping at her leisure. And as we walked in this so, so painfully slow pace, I couldn't help but to try to unpack why exactly this was making me upset. The first thing that immediately connected to my mind was road rage. For some reason, when someone cuts me off or is going entirely too slow, something inside me burns with extreme irritation. I often mutter to myself and sometimes I can find myself yelling a few choice words into an empty car. And I'm positive that I'm not the only one, but the question is why? Let's just get one of the obvious things out of the way. I'm not that angry of a person typically. Statistically, a person with a highly aggressive personality is far more likely to lash out because of road rage. But it doesn't take an aggressive person to be bothered by what happens on the road. How does like a normal, mild-mannered person get upset with some trivial things such as being cut off or somebody going slow when you don't even have to be anywhere? The answer is that there is no clear answer. There are a wide variety of reasons why people get upset. But I wasn't satisfied with that answer, so I kept looking, I kept thinking of things, and I saw one thing that caught my eye. Depending on who you ask, some people say anonymity is the thing that causes this anger. A paper I saw said that people feel anonymous in their vehicles and consequently they behave differently in a driving context as compared to a non-driving one. But this anonymity is reduced when drivers feel empathetic. What this means is in a weird way when you're in your car you don't feel like you're driving with people. At most you can see a dark silhouette on the driver's seat but other than that it's like you're just driving around with different boxes. There really isn't a person tied to the car. It's just the car doing something stupid. 
This is similar to why people can easily blow up on others on social media, but are so different when it's face to face. You don't see that person. You aren't peering into their eyes once that rage fills in you. It's just you and your anger, often in an empty car. And although this was interesting and I liked the idea, I can't say it was the reason why I was so pissed off at this lady in the grocery store. But one more option presented itself to me that had some sort of explanation as to why I felt this way. And it still does connect with traffic. A huge portion of our travels on the road are either going to or from work. And let's be honest, it can be stressful depending on your job. Monday mornings are pretty dreadful, so you aren't really in the best of moods. And maybe you had a rough day, so going home isn't really fun either. But you are off and you're on the way home. However, this person is just going so slow. Although this doesn't exactly match the feeling I was having at the store, the more I thought about it, I soon realized what that brief connection was. I think that the link between the road rage and the level of hatred I had for this slow-moving woman is something a bit more abstract. Something called time. Days, hours, minutes, seconds... Our lives are defined by the numbers correlated to these units of measurement. We have work meetings, social events, deadlines, and all these things aren't kind enough to wait their turn. No, they want to be addressed right now. And it's bad enough all these things are just swirling through your head. What makes it worse is when someone or something, a car or an older lady, decides to take their time in front of you. I think it makes us upset because the person who's going too slow or who cuts you off is robbing you of the only thing you really do have, which is time. Yes, the level of annoyance when our time is wasted is real. And when I look at myself being upset at this woman for taking all day, I can honestly say that's why. But the thing that is most confusing to me is I wasn't really in any sort of rush. It was Saturday during quarantine. There was nothing to do. I didn't have any extravagant event going on, and to put it quite frankly, I was just upset that this lady was keeping me from going home to do nothing. And then, now that I think about that, a lot of that whole time during quarantine I was doing nothing. I found myself playing more video games and watching Netflix, and the data shows that I'm not alone. During the isolation stages of COVID, Netflix had gained about 16 million new subscribers. PlayStations, Xboxes, Nintendo Switches, they were all sold out across the country. During grad school, I can only dream of a world where I had more time on my hands. And I told myself that if I could just get through this hectic schedule of grad school, when I was done, I would find this new time and do all sorts of things. I was going to learn new skills, write more episodes, get into marvelous shape. I will finally get my life together. And I think a lot of us said these things to ourselves at one point. But unfortunately, that huge what if on if I had free time became a reality as schools, businesses, and lives had to be put on hold because of the virus. We found ourselves stuck with the one thing we came into this world with. Time. And for those of us with no family or roommates living with us, time was truly all we had. But as I rushed home to do nothing for the third straight week, after being so upset at this lady for wasting my time, a simple thought persisted. If time is such a finite and precious commodity, and we get so angry with people who waste it, 
why do we invest so much energy and money on making it go by fast? Alright, forewarning. We're about to get a little bit abstract here, but if you can humor me for a second, if you can just follow along, I swear I have a point. As I said before, time as we see it in our day-to-day lives expands from years to months to days to hours to minutes to seconds. We use these things not only to have everyone on the same page, but because it utilizes one of the only two ways we can perceive time. The oldest major event that we could trace back was the Big Bang, and that happened about 13.7 billion years ago. What happened before that? Well, that's hard to tell, and that's because of how we measure time. Look, when the Big Bang happened, the energy from this massive explosion dissipated into space. The energy from that explosion caused different reactions throughout the universe, and those reactions kept multiplying, and as waves of explosions traveled further and further away from the source, what was once silent darkness changed into, well, something. These changes on a microscopic scale from nothing to something is what we call disorder. The more disorder there is in the area, the more time has passed. One easy way to look at it is if you compare the universe to a lighthouse. When a lighthouse is first built, it's so clean, so pristine, nothing's on it. Hopefully there aren't any blemishes or any structural integrity issues with the building. But what happens over time? The rain, the wind, all of the elements from a storm comes and hits on it day in and day out. And over time, the paint fades and repairs need to be made. The lighthouse changes, and typically, the more changes a lighthouse needs, the older it is. This is a small-scale example of the concept known as entropy. Entropy meaning changes over time, disorder over time. Now, because of these changes, we can have some sort of idea of how much time has passed. But it's only because of those changes. And on top of that, these changes only happen one way. You can't uncrack an egg, you can't unwreck a car, and you can't recall an arrow once you've released it. Time can only move in one direction. This is known as the arrow of time. Listening to this for the first time, this may seem like a big macro thing that has no effect on us. But our day-to-day lives depend on this thing. We can only measure time in two ways as people. That is internally and externally. The way we see change externally, we already talked about. You can't uncrack an egg. You can't unwreck a car. But it goes deeper than that. Even the way we measure time is because of change. You only know how much time has changed because of the positioning of the clock hands. Or if you're looking at something more modern, the change of the numbers. Before we had clocks, we look at the sun. The changing of the position of the sun lets you know what time it is or how much time has passed. But if we don't have that, we can also gauge time internally by our memories. Think back of a time you were speaking with a friend about an old event that happened some long time ago. And if you don't know the date on when that happened, how do you figure out around the time it happened? Typically, people remember circumstances or whatever was going on at the time to give you some sort of a pinpoint on when the event actually occurred. Was it before or after college? Was it during the time you had this crazy hairstyle? We use the memory of change to gauge time. We use entropy in our day-to-day lives, actually. And if we don't have these small changes, then we go absolutely insane. As I said before, our brains want us to be safe, but it wants us to be happy for a long time as well, or at least occupied. Think of it practically. If our brains only wanted to be just safe, 
then what's stopping us from digging a hole, jumping in it, and just sitting there all day? It simply won't work for us. Why else do you think solitary confinement has been argued to be some sort of cruel and unusual punishment? Because it is. Imagine being in a room with nothing, all by yourself. You will lose track of time. You have no one to talk to, no sort of change in day-to-day life. Our brain needs change in order to become oriented with itself. It stimulates us. But what happens when some of the things you used to occupy yourself with goes away? What happens when you no longer have to clock in at work or there's no other social events to go to? How do we occupy our time? And this brings us to the glorious year that is 2020. All of a sudden, those changes that happen to us on a daily basis that occupy our minds begin to come to a screeching halt. And now we're left with nothing but time. So naturally, many people, including myself, would assume that we would fill this time with productive activities. We were going to learn new skills. We were going to catch up on some reading. Or in some cases, you would record some episodes of your podcast. But what we found out is that actually we do a whole lot of nothing. Well, not exactly nothing, but more so mind-numbing things. We consumed a lot more content. I mean, look, (laughs) one day... For a week straight, we were talking about nothing but Joe Exotic and what he was going to do to dang old Carol Baskins. All of a sudden, the things that we thought we would do, the productive things, simply never happened for many of us. But why? If the pandemic has proven anything, it's shown us how vital entertainment is to the American culture. In 2018, the country spent roughly $23 billion on entertainment alone. We go to plays, we watch sports, we watch movies, we watch TV shows. Hell, we do things called amusement parks. All of these things were created to add a little kick to life. Even before we have these crazy massive productions like a Marvel movie or whatever, people would just simply tell stories. And it's not only to share history, but to pass time. Which the idea of just doing something to simply pass time is kind of weird when you think about it. Sometimes our day-to-day lives are just so stressful and unpleasant that we would pay a whole bunch of money to make that time be a little less painful. Or if we're really, really bored, we pay the equal amount of money to make that time go by faster, to make that time be more pleasurable. And for a lot of us, a lot of Americans, a lot of everyone, both of these needs skyrocketed at the same time when businesses shut down and we found ourselves in a weird combination of stressed and bored. So to distract ourselves from this stressful and bored time, we had two options. Option A is the productive route. We could use this time to learn new skills, build something from the ground up, or do something that we would have never had time to do before. Although this is a good use of time, and it yields great results, it does come with its own set of problems. Learning new things can be hard, but setting out to do something major can just be stressful too. And if you're completely honest, you may not even get the satisfaction of being rewarded with meaningful change. You can try to do something and not be good at it. But then you look at option B. When you watch a movie or play a game or watch a TV show, you are guaranteed to experience something, whether you enjoy the movie or not, and experience is tied to it without major risk. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to put yourself out there. But at the same time, you got the benefit of that experience, of that pleasure. And so because of this, we often opt into that easier, more relaxing route. I mean, why do you think we binge watch TV shows? Why do you think we stress watch things? It gives us that false sense of things are happening around us without us putting ourselves out there to get hurt. 
So as we find ourselves in a world where risk is literally airborne, where we have nothing but time to look at what's going on in the world, and nothing but time to see how helpless we are to stop it, it's not really surprising that a lot of us are choosing to use our free time to simply relax. I'm not pointing this out in order to make people feel bad. These are times like no other before, and hopefully like no other after. And although it would be amazing if we could all utilize this newfound time to focus solely on self-improvement, sometimes self-maintenance may be a little more important. Being in the moment and allowing for your rest is crucial. Think of this period of our lives as a timeout. If you're a sport fan, you know that timeouts are for rest, for mental recalibration. And in the case of a major pandemic, it's a time to just zone out and look at, I don't know, the antics of Michael Scott. But as with all timeouts, they eventually end. Hopefully one day soon, this crazy period that we've known will pass. The timeout will be over. And we will still have the demons that were facing us before this. Time well, is not going away. It's still passing. And if we remember our thermodynamic lessons, this means that change is happening as well. Even while we choose to spend our time recovering, things around us are changing on a day-to-day basis. But how do we deal with these changes? How do we face these changes if we don't even want to? Well, we will discuss this in part two of what we can learn from 2020. So until next time, take it easy.